Welcome back to Haunted by Tapes with the Frog Brothers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Haunted by Tapes with the Frog Brothers Podcast. Tonight's feature film is the 1996 undisputed masterpiece, Scream. Alex shows off his VHS there for you just in the audio feed. Beautiful VHS that's not rewound, you son of a bitch. What kind of monster are you? I don't have a rewind chain. Well, let's probably go for pretty penny anymore on the uh, Evil Bay. Yeah, they're not. They're not super cheap. Um, nineteen ninety six, huh? The original title for this was Scary Movie, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, was that Kevin Williamson's original screenplay title? I'm not sure if it was a working title or what it was, but um, let's just talk about, you know, Wes Craven, right? Mm-hmm. Did Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. He did The Hills Have Eyes. He did Last House on the Left. Uh, what else did he do before this? He's done plenty. So uh, he did New Nightmare most recently before this, which... Um, is a huge take into the meta shit of horror movies taking a look at horror movies themselves it's almost in a way like a you could see why he would choose this for his next screenplay after that it makes total fucking sense it's it's great this is one of my top five horror movies of all time now the sequels other people think are of a lot lesser quality um to which most horror sequels always are, but I enjoy the sequels of a lot of stuff, and I enjoy I enjoy all the sequels to some extent for sure of this of this franchise. Um, but the first one's an absolute masterpiece, um, and it set the standard for horror movies for the next ten years, basically, till they kind of yeah, found it really else. Well, it finally gave you the chance to continuously bring back the regular people with different villains same concept though right i mean obviously the ghost face costume is very iconic now because of this film and certain things but you never really know who's under that mask you know and that's one of the things that's so great about the first movie is when you find out there's actually two killers under that mask yeah really kind of gives you like a level of oh okay so i tried to make a list of all the horror movies they mentioned throughout this movie as well too so i have that going as well we'll we'll try to mention them as they go but some of them are just i'm not sure i mean i can tell you by looking at them when they're mentioned but don't know if i'll be able to do it all 100 percent in order but you know we'll see um the movie opens up though with the whole it opens up very quickly with drew barrymore getting a call and answering the phone like really quickly and it's uh the fo- the voice of Ghostface, which I did not write down the actor's name, but he um, always portrays Ghostface through the you know voice changer technology. It's kind of a, it's kind of unrealistic, but it works, you know. Yeah, to me, in my personal opinion, the part of the film where that's portrayed the best is kind of at the climax when you see them using it. Well, yeah, because they're not over a phone. Yeah, and they're dubbing over that with it, right? And I think that works so well. And that's Roger L. Jackson is the voice of Ghostface. Yeah. 
I knew his name, but I just couldn't think of it now. Um. Oh, she, I guess he did the voice. Was it the voice TV series as well? Doesn't surprise me. I haven't watched the TV series. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it either. Never was. Never seemed that interesting. I mean, it was an MTV show, so I don't think it was going to be that. MTV did a Teen Wolf show as well, and had nothing to do with it was like way like a serious dramedy for like teenagers so not on that cw style bullshit which you know just not for me um so he's on the phone with her and they're they're kind of having a back and forth it's very very iconic um one of the most famous scenes in the movies and they again horror movie tropes you know all the marketing for this was like pushing drew barrymore you know Mm mm-hmm and everybody's like, holy shit, Drew Barrymore's in this, you know? And then obviously you kill her off in the first 10 minutes. And that's kind of like a reference to obviously Psycho with uh, the lead being killed off halfway through the movie. Sure. And then the movie just continues. Um, but you find out that, you know, that's kind of just the, it's almost like a very cold opening because they do the regular like title screen but i don't think they do the credit sequence till after that and stuff um right and i do love the camera work in here i've no i noticed on this viewing specifically there's a lot of fisheye lens in this movie yeah it works it works it's fun um jiffy pop that's a fun little reference just to have some a little more chaotic element to the just general anxiety you know like there's this popcorn going that you keep forgetting about it's going to cause a fire yeah yeah. Um, one other interesting part about obviously Casey's character played by Drew Barrymore is that Drew Barrymore was originally supposed to play Sidney Prescott, but had other commitments that she'd already signed for, so she couldn't wind up shooting the whole role. Interesting. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then Craven had seen Nev Campbell um from the TV show Party of Five, which I never watched that either. So which, I mean, I think she's better as playing that innocent character. I think Drew Barrymore would have been good, but it would have been a completely different film. Well, that's the thing. Has, have you seen Wild Things? I'm pretty sure I have, yeah. Because she plays, like, a completely different type of character. Like, she still seems a little innocent, but, like, can be monstrous, and she's dangerous in that movie. I love it. Her character is the ultimate <laughs> yeah, genius in that movie. And um, she's also in The Craft. Have Campbell, so that's pretty. Yeah. Good. And she's a little different in that, but yeah, she's she's so good and convincing in this. That's just good acting. Like, yeah, no, it's hard for me to con- think of anything else. I was think I was referring more to Drew Barrymore being like such an innocent character, which she can play that, but I don't I don't feel like it would have been as convincing had she been the lead. But you know, obviously, we ended up with Nev in the lead, and um, Drew gets that iconic opening, which really for like a short film role like that's really iconic right it's hard to beat that kind of a role i have a scream t-shirt that's her screaming holding the phone that's awesome i had a scream t-shirt i wore all the time in high school yeah i remember that shit i think i got a photo somewhere if i find it i'll post it but me wearing a scream shirt with my blue mohawk back in the day when i was practicing with my band (laughs) there's a uh an internet thing going around not going around i shouldn't say um I read about basically that um, the, <clears throat> I think it's the Weinsteins from uh, Miramax at the time did not 
when they got the first cut of the opening sequence back, they were like, what the fuck is this? This is not going to do good. You need to do this over. This is fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven was like, no, eat my dick. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I guess Courtney Cox is kind of a controversial pick in this too. I mean, she wanted to do something where she wasn't so sweet, nice, and innocent like she was on the series Friends. And so I guess she kind of had to convince him that, you know, she could play this kind of um, bitchy reporter is, I guess, kind of how they phrased it. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Trying not to step on anybody's toes. The, the bitchy reporter, that's the, how they phrased it. <laughs> I know that that is how they phrase it. Yeah, just because it's like, okay, Um well, you know, I guess you want to have an edge, you know, if you're playing the same kind of character over and over on TV series, you don't want to get typecast. So what's your favorite scary movie? But the overall, the cast of this just is incredible. Everyone is so well cast in this. Basically. Um, so as I was saying, the, uh, the kind of next conversation is the what's your favorite scary movie. And here's your first reference to another movie is Halloween which is referenced several times throughout this movie. I'll try to point out the references, but also um, like Drew Barrymore's sweater. Uh-huh. She looks like, uh, and with the blonde hair, she looks like Pamela Voorhees in Friday the 13th. And I don't yeah. know if it's intentional or it's just kind of a, a look, but either way. I could see that as, you know, somebody doing that intentionally. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it is, but it's one of those things where you're like, hey, if, if nothing, else, that's kind of what it gives me the vibes of. So, um, and then he asks her, you know, you got a boyfriend and all that funny shit. And then the, the, the classic line, I want to know who I'm looking at. What? I said, I want to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said. And then she like keeps re- hanging up on him and shit. And, um, then you have the classic line, hang up on me again and I'll get you like a fish, understand? Yeah, that's pretty intense. <laughs> and um, I like to think, you got to think about these things. Uh, I think we should anyway and discuss them. Who do you think is in the mask in this scene? Which character? Because everybody, uh, is, I mean, we're not spoiling it for anybody. If you're listening to this review, you know that Billy and Stu are the killers. Oh man, that's an interesting question. You know, I've never really sat down and kind of thought about who was. I do. This is Billy in my And Billy, yeah. Because Stu doesn't want to kill his own ex. So that he later, the next the next day at school, Tatum says he was with me last night. So that implies oh, yeah. Stu was that with her. So that, so that because he's killing his girlfriend, so that way it's not linked to him. He has an alibi. Plus, he maybe doesn't want to kill his ex-girlfriend. And also... Not just that, but the way Ghostface behaves is, I think, how you can also tell because Billy's more clever than Stu and Billy has much more horror movie knowledge. So when it's like this clever, thought out shit, I think it's more more likely to be Billy. Oh, yeah. I think that can really add a whole layer of dynamic to watching this film, just kind of thinking about it that way. I've, I was trying to do it during this one, so. I wish we would have discussed that briefly before because I would definitely would have been taking some notes about some of those action sequences where, you know, they're evading ghost face and, and things like that. And I think that works. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating though. And, uh, you know, obviously Matthew Lillard is Stu and this is kind of one of his roles. You're just like, Holy shit. So good. Guy's a fucking genius. Um, 
he's great in everything I've seen him in. So he's just a favorite actor of mine. I love that guy. Um, also, Drew Barrymore. I mean, I, I don't know. I think we've said it, but she is great in this as well because she does play that just kind of like high school innocence, but also there's a flirty layer of like, you know, high school sex and like the whole uh, that shit. And then obviously the danger element and she does the horror thing really well, which I mean, I don't recall Drew Barrymore doing much of that before. Has she been in any horror movies before or since? I mean, now she's in some like, uh, she was in that horror comedy show on Netflix, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to check out her, uh, her role history and, you know, see what, in, what's in her filmography. And well, Wayne's world is not a horror movie. No, I find it very attractive. And there's just- an interesting character in this that you don't really notice in the first one is Liev Schreiber is cotton weary. Yeah. Cause he's shown in some background shots really. So yeah. Linda Blair has a cameo in this as a news reporter. Which is not even just a cameo. She's in quite a bit of the movie, just in not yeah, a I think, character, not like up and talking and up close, but she's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then Wes Craven's cameo is he portrays Fred, the school janitor, which is awesome. I love that scene. Um, so as I'm going down this list, we've already passed a couple of these, but they mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that the one with the guy with the knives for the fingers? Yeah. 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 I like that one. It was scary. And then she's like, yeah, but the sequel sucked, though. And uh, that's kind of just a funny dig from Wes Craven. You know, he's like, fuck all that shit. <laughs> Basically able to call it garbage because he knew it was a cash grab. But then they have the Friday the 13th trivia question, which mm-hmm. is an infamous one about the trick question for people who aren't well versed in Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So it's, it, I don't know, it's just cool. And then as we get to the next one, it's when Billy shows up into Sydney's room. Cause that's kind of the next scene we see. And he's like, uh, I was watching the exorcist. It got me thinking of you. Yeah. And he's basically talking about how she's like, we started out all hot and heavy and then you really cooled. Yeah. And, um, my balls are about to bust. And also Justin used to have my haircut. That's what he's thinking. No, whatever. <laughs> uh, Let's see. Yeah, the whole Friday the 13th reference there is kind of one of those for the diehard uh, horror film buffs because it's like, hey, uh, who's the killer of Friday the 13th? And uh, it's Jason. It's Jason. And granted, Jason appears in the first movie. He is not the killer until the sequel, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do like the, the effect of the guy's knees being like fucked up and bleeding. And then uh, Steve, her boyfriend, you know, and he's like, turn on the patio lights. And yeah. it's, uh, he fucking guts him basically. And it's all strung around and looks really gnarly. Actually, if you look pretty close. Oh, it's very well done. It's disgusting I on it. Just to get a good look at the effect there. And I was like, oh man, that's fucked up. So they really wanted to give this flick an NC 17 rating originally. So that was one of the controversial scenes where, it had to be still guts. Like you don't see the guts spill out, which I feel like you see in a lot of movies after this, where the MPA has changed their tune quite a bit, just as people become desensitized to this shit. Yeah. Um, 
think that was a huge piece there. Like they said, you know, you can do this scene, but you can't see any guts being spilled out. And like, they didn't want him like wiggling around a whole bunch. So kind of a little fun behind the scene facts that, uh, interesting to think about like how gory this could be. I would have loved to have seen an NC 17 cut of this. Speaking of NC 17, um, she asks him if he would settle for a PG 13 relationship. Yeah. And she shows him. Sure. Yeah. She, yeah. For bare tits, but not us, of course. Yeah. And you know, the shame is that she has a threesome scene with Denise Richards and Matt Dillon and wild things. And you don't see her tits. I mean, you do see Denise, Denise Richards tits, but so for anyone, you know, wanted to see some tits in a threesome scene. <clears throat> with Matt yeah, I mean, <laughs> for a movie that's talking about the satire of boobs as much as it is like this movie doesn't really it doesn't fetishize that the way it could right it's really kind of in your face about some things so i think that's kind of one of those things where like yeah you could easily have done that or tried talking into it but for that character that doesn't make sense yeah um basically then it's they go to <clears throat> school the next morning and they find out that casey's been murdered and uh Randy's there talking about the video store, you know, so you're, you're kind of learning about these people. And Randy's one of the most interesting characters. I like Randy. Um, Nowadays, like if you were to do that, you would have like a viral marketing campaign just with Randy talking to you, like from behind the video store counter or something like really kind of giving you all this information because he's one of those. He's one of the best written characters in this. Well, film. yeah, that's basically like those characters that were introduced in Scream 4 that were streaming stuff and doing podcasts like about horror movies. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of accurate. And other people found that cheesy, but I was just like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. So, um, Oh yeah. This is the discussion. Uh, it takes a man to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's really taunting him. And, um, would you tell me something? Did they really find her liver in the mailbox? Because I heard they found her liver in the mailbox next to her spleen and appendix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> liver alone, man. Yeah. Liver alone. Yeah. There's some classics in there for sure. Um, and then basically she's at home afterwards, Sydney is, and it's kind of like, the music's spooky and it's kind of like it's getting dusk and she's alone. She's not necessarily terrified at this point or anything, but she's kind of just like a little weirded out just because her mother was murdered last year and stuff. And uh, so she gets on the phone with Tatum and uh, is like, all right, I'll be there by like seven or something. She passes out on the couch and then the phone rings and wakes her ass up. It's Tatum again. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's way past 7.30, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm at the video store. Do you want, you want me to rent, like, uh, all the right things with Tom Cruise? I heard if you pause it in the right spot, you could see his penis. Oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, like, little details like that just help. Well, it's so well written. It's around the, and it's, it feels very realistic to like what people actually talk about with, with that kind of shit in film culture. Obviously, we're into that. And like, this is the kind of silly nonsense we were talking about then. And like, we still are. So yeah. it's beautiful. And then uh, the killer calls her. They end up having a whole long dialogue where she ends up uh, 
calling the bluff and going out on the front porch and he's not there. And then she picks her nose and is like, can you see me? What am I doing? And then of course she ends up being already inside. And, uh, and then she's, she's, this is where at the beginning of the call, she says, you know, horror movies are an insult. It's always some big breasted bimbo running up the stairs when she should run out the front door. And then she does just that herself. Well, once that front door is blocked, then she runs up the stairs because like that's well, her exactly, own. But that's that. But that's the thing. That's exactly. The that's the beauty there. of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it works because it shows you why she goes up the stairs. Yeah. And you have the killer delivery of maybe that's because I'm not Randy. And then she's yeah. like, oh, shit. Like everybody always assumes this motherfucker's Randy. It's hilarious. Yeah. Just because he's got a love of film and everything. They kind of. Yeah. And then Billy, of, of course, shows up. See, here's. I think the person in the costume during this scene. I mean, who do you think it is? That first attempt on Sydney. Yeah. I feel like it's Billy because he's there and then he just is able to ditch the costume real quick. I feel like he's on site and is able to just drop that once he realizes it's not going to work. But I also feel like they want to. It feels like they want to kill her last anyway. Like, I don't feel like they would have killed her anyway right there. Right. Well, that's what you're, that's the kind of vibe I was like watching this. I was like, wait, are they actually trying to kill her here? Are they trying to freak her out and cause a big scene while they do shit? Like what would happen if they had killed her here? Would that be the last person they killed or because they would still have to plan the rest of the other shit out, which they could still do without her potentially with the dad. So I was going to say they'd still frame her dad. So I think that would have would have changed the dynamic of, but I just got the feeling that in those earlier scenes where they're not successful, they're just trying to scare. And I think that's what, you know, he realizes he's like, Oh, look, I'm just going to, just going to scare a little bit and kind of get things going. Yeah. Um, For sure. I definitely agree that it's, it's Billy, even though it's obvious because the mask is there, he has the cell phone, but they don't have the cell phone. He doesn't have the same cell phone record or whatever. I haven't called her or whatever necessarily. Um, no, but they say later that they clone the they clone her dad's phone number. So yeah. Um, getting out of the police station, that's where she uh, gets to punch Gail Weathers in the face. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a copy. Bam! Bitch went down. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Like you kind of you know that really just tells you all you need to know about Gail Weathers and the type of person she is. Well, someone's going to write a book about the story. I just, you know, it just had to be me. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's my note. Um, his, his, his hair in jail uh, used to have that hair. <laughs> oh, I wrote the note down of that. Um, let's see. Okay. We haven't come across any other horror movie references yet that I know of. See, I, I may have missed a few, but here's, oh yeah, here's another one. Um, Tatum says to Sydney, you're starting to sound like a, some sort of Wes Carpenter flick. Which is obviously, you know, conjoining Wes Carpenter or Wes Craven and John Carpenter. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah. Like, so not to confuse any young people that might think they're referring to Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, and then Frankenstein is playing on the, on the TV at the video store. Yes. Which this scene, if you know that they're the killers, kind of makes it obvious that they're the killers. Yes, it does. 
And it's like, holy shit, how did uh we not like get this when we were watching this? I don't know. But uh there's a lot of horror movie references here, obviously. Like he's he's talking to Stu who comes over and Randy is, you know, because he came over and knocked some videos out of his uh hands, and I'm just sitting there like trying to read VHS boxes in the background and like uh yeah, all the boxes and racks and everything in there. I'm like about the store. Yeah, what do they got in here? Yeah, what do they got? And um <laughs> he's talking about how people need to watch prom night. If they watch prom night, people would save time. And I have prom night. We should watch it sometime. Jamie Lee Curtis isn't that? Absolutely. Um, like he's so knowledgeable on everything that he's basically kind of he's realizing what's going on based on all these films, right? And then he's basically just like, I guarantee it's Billy. Um, he doesn't need a motive. Uh, it's the millennium. Motives are incidental. And then he turns around and fucking bumps into Billy. And Billy's like, maybe you're the killer. And then they both kind of like sandwich in between him. And then the Eiffel Tower him, basically. Yeah, I love how I love how they tell you who the killer is, at least one of them early on. And you're like, what? You don't even really think about it, you know? Yeah. Randy is right. Um, and then you have Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with the Red Right Hand song. Very iconic. For sure. Um, basically, there's a town curfew and they're kind of illustrating that while well, they play that song, you know. And Dewey, <laughs> I love how Dewey walks up just fucking eating an ice cream cone and the uh, sheriff is like smoking, you know. Yeah, sheriff's all stressed out. And he's like, the calls are listed in Neil Prescott. <laughs> His delivery just reminds me of uh, Napier's anonymous tip. Napier's oh, chemicals. Why wasn't I told? No, he's great. And then I love it the first time, you know, you and you see Dewey outside of the house and he's holding the mask and he screams, ah, like that's, that's one of the classic um, bits that he has in there. Yeah. Um, and then he points out that the, tomorrow is the anniversary of the mom's death to Dewey. And everybody's having a party. They're going to go to a party. This party's at Stu's house. Yeah. Am I right? I believe so. I don't know if they ever really established exactly where Dude that is. Tatum. Well, Tatum's house would be Dewey's house. You're right. So that's got to be Stu's. Well, they don't imply that he lives there. So who? They imply Dewey lives with Tatum and the family still. Still. Okay. Then, yeah. Then it he's in there in his underwear and a shirt when that person, when he calls Sydney at Tatum's house. He answers the phone and goes, hello. <laughs> and there's nobody there. He's already hung up. Yeah. Um, you can't underrate the performance by Henry Wrinkler in here. Oh, I love him. With, he's like dragging the scissors across their faces uh, and like yeah. shit. Like when he loses it, like it's just kind of one of those things like, is he going to be the killer? You know? Well, they kind of it's it's easy to pass that, over stuff when you've seen it when you were so young and didn't realize what what they were doing with this. Yeah, well, they're kind of setting up everyone to be the killer, right? You know, that's the whole point. It's like the Clue movie, right? Except dark. It's great. Um, 
you know, he's great in that. And like when he looks out and sees the Fred, Oh, Hey Fred. Yeah. And then um, obviously at this big party they're having, like once they find out that the principal's dead and then he's, I think he's been strung up on the uh, goalpost at the football field is what they oh, say. Wait, 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 before that though, is uh, basically Dewey and Gail show up, you know, and he's like, you want to come in there with me? She plants the camera in there. Mm-hmm. And this is more more movie references. He's uh, Randy is screaming, how many for evil dead? And then people are shouting and raising their hands. How many for Hellraiser? And they end up watching Halloween, though, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tatum, this is where she goes out for a beer. She gets killed before all that happens. Um, Gail. Oh, yeah. Cameron, I, I, out there and it's more more of that fisheye lens stuff in here. It's very interesting. I never noticed before. Um, got that very iconic death scene, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, because um, she's basically like, oh, you want to play psycho killer? That whole thing. Yeah. And um, he fucking cuts her arm with a blade and then she tries to escape through the garage. And this scene is more terrifying when you're a child. But when you're an adult, you're like, eh, come on. Yeah. I'd avoid that. Wouldn't be that bad. And it's it's the cliche that like her boobs get her stuck in the dog door or whatever before it like snaps her. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, whatever. It's terrifying as a kid, though. But as an adult, you're like, yeah, the impact that's way less. But still, the whole dialogue she has around it beforehand is great. It's on point. So this is obviously Billy killing her because yeah. he was inside at the party. And mm-hmm. then Billy shows up at the party. Yep. There's another we can confirm that's Billy. Where's Stu in all this? I can tell you at least one scene where he's at, but I think there is um he he obviously also made the call to uh Sydney when uh Billy was in jail still. Yeah. Um he uh, probably where else does that motherfucker appear? Well, the big one is... Well, the big one's when you get false attacks Billy after they fuck. Yeah, exactly. But I was trying to think if there was another time before that. But I don't think so, because once... Well, it's confusing. We'll have to go through this this stuff one by one at this end sequence here, because a lot happens. But uh, after Tatum is killed, Billy shows up and goes upstairs with her. And, uh, well, they fuck. And uh, then Dewey hears about there's a car down in the bushes. You want to go check it out with me? Yeah. And they go down and this is when Randy's uh, talking about movies and he's just talking about the obligatory tit shot and stuff. He's not explaining the rules or anything yet, but uh, I think he does shortly after that though where he explains the rules you know there's no uh you can't have sex and you can't do drugs mm-hmm. yeah he's kind of breaking it down rules and uh that's a very iconic scene that's just dope um and that's when they're watching halloween and he answers the phone and the music that's playing is the score from Halloween, you know, because it's that's in that scene. Yeah. And they just use it basically as part of the score in this movie. And that's what I love so much because it works with him like 
being told that the pres the the principal is hung up on the goalpost like you were talking about. And they're yeah, like, everybody's yeah. so drunk. They're just like, what are we waiting for? Let's go check it out before they get him down. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm going to stay here and watch this movie. Yeah. He's I, like, what are, you, what are you crazy? Yeah. I relate to that. I'm like, no, nah, I'll stay here and watch Halloween. I don't need to see yeah. real death and shit. I don't need that. Nah. And uh, then De- Dewey and Gail roll around on the ground and kiss. Find Neil Prescott's car. Mm-hmm. Find that it's hidden back there, right? Which is great because, like, you don't know if it's if he's a suspect or not, right? His car's hidden. Well, they've pretty much decided that he's the guy as long as they can find him and get it out of him. The police, anyway. Oh uh, yeah, sure. But I'm just saying, like, from the audience's perspective, right? You still don't really know what's going on. Uh, Sydney and Billy are putting their clothes on, and she's like uh, questioning him still a little bit. He's like, you still think it's me? And then he gets fake stabbed by Stu. Um, and then the camera guy's killed because of the delay. 30 second tape delay, yeah. This he is the one out. scene where Skeet Ulrich was in the costume when he walked behind Randy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because he didn't need to do stunt work, you know. So they he wanted to be in the costume for at least one scene. Apparently that's when they let him do. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, and then a bunch of kind of uh, confusing shit happens. Stu or uh, uh, Sydney is chased around by presumably Stu in the costume at this point mm-hmm. because Billy's still upstairs pretending to be murdered. Well, yeah, because eventually you see him stumble down the stairs. Yep. But that's after she. Uh, closes the door on Stu and randy yeah they're arguing on the front porch right they don't know what's going on and so she's conflicted and yeah randy's like i just found tatum's body and Stu's like he did it he killed my tatum and all this fucking crazy shit yeah and it's really well it's so great there because you don't really don't know who to believe right everyone's kind of yelling all the energy's so high yeah and then randy gets in because Billy must or uh, Stu must run around the corner or something. Well, you know, he lets uh, Billy opens the door after he gets the gun from. Oh, yeah, that's right. He gets the gun and then opens the door and then he uh, Randy Stu has ran off, though. Yeah, Stu has run off, run off or whatever. So it's just Randy. And that's when he does the whole uh, he's gone mad. And then Billy says, we all go a little mad sometimes. And he shoots, shoots him. Yep. Norman Bates, psycho. Exactly. So there's another movie reference. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock, too. Actually, earlier, I forgot to mention the fog and terror train were mentioned by name. Also, uh, when Sydney was reading through the just the movies that Randy had brought over and mm. like the fog terror train Halloween, I think she said is Jamie Lee Curtis and all of these. <laughs> and uh that's when he tells her that the blood that he's has is corn syrup the same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry yep that's another reference there so and, uh 
And I love how they talk about the entire genre of movies, right? You know, they go back basically from the beginnings to the current stuff, right? And going back all the way to Psycho. Yeah. Because arguably that's kind of one of the first slasher films, even though it would be, you know, they got away with a lot of stuff for the time that that movie came out. So pretty awesome to see them reference it. Billy is about as witty as a high school boy could be when she says, uh, fuck you. And he says, no, no, no. We already played that game. You lost. <laughs> that's fucked up. It is. Um, watch a few movies, take a few notes. It was fun. Yeah. I need to have that in our podcast intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should. You need to throw that in for season three. Uh, uh, and let's face it. Your mother was no Sharon Stone. <laughs> that, I eat that shit up. He's just great in the scenes. Yeah. Uh, um, and then they do the they stab each other while they're explaining their evil plan and shit. Yeah, and I, that's a great scene though. Like, really, they're kind of explaining all of it. They bring her dad in the room, kind of show him what's going on, and basically tell everyone their whole plot, which is yeah. beautiful. Get a little woozy over here, man. <laughs> and then she's like asking for a motive, and he's like, "Did they ever really discover why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people?" Sounds the lamb reference slash. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other movies and books. But really, sounds the Lambs coming. Come on, that's the most iconic one. Well, and then they do give the motive eventually. Yeah. Basically, that her dad was her banging dad. her mom and her they mom. blamed it on her, you know. Didn't, didn't blame his dad at all. He blamed <laughs> it on, on her mom for his mom leaving. So, very interesting. But I mean, I guess I could see how a young person might be uh, skewed to believe that. Plus, you probably had one person talking in your ear. So it's actually really well written for those kind of characters to have that conflict and kind of level of hate and anger towards other people there. Yeah. It doesn't justify their behavior, but you understand why the character is the way they are. And then Stu, he's like, give me the gun, Stu, when he walks over. The gun's gone, man. It was right here. And then uh, Gail has it, and obviously the safety's on, and so Billy gets it from her. Mm-hmm. He's about to fucking murder the shit out of her on the porch before Stu is like, oh, wait, uh, Sydney and her dad are gone. Uh, yeah. And then they're like, ah, shit. And she calls and is doing the voice box thing. And Bailey's a total asshole. And then he gets off the phone. And he's like, talk to her. And this is this. This whole conversation is like some of the best of oh, yeah. here. Yeah, he's yeah. Just crying and bleeding to death at this point. Did you call my parents? Did you really call the cops? Well, yeah, I, before that, he she, she asked him, what's your motive in all this? And he says, peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, when I love how Billy decks him in the back of the head with the phone. He's like, oh, man, you hit me. <laughs> oh, I forgot another favorite Matthew Lillard line of mine that kind of goes unnoticed. Um, when Gail shows back up and he's like, she looked dead, man, still does. Yeah. Oh, and that's when, you know, when Billy leaves and he hits, he gives Stu the phone, he hits him with it and he goes, ah, yeah, me with the phone, dick. Yeah, no, I love that scene. The whole back and forth there, because like Stu clearly is way, is in way over his head here. And it's really kind of Billy that just kind of convinced him to do this. Well, yeah, he stabbed him so many times too. Now, Now he's just fucked. He's like, you went a little too deep. And when they're stabbing each other, you can see oh, him. Like, woozy here. 
how hard they're stabbing each other, like, and just trying to like do it without killing each other. He's like, no, remember go to the side and you know, don't go very deep. Yeah. And Billy has the same problem as I would, if I was a murderer, if Halloween was on the TV and it's literally the scene where he's (laughs) at the end of the movie, where Michael Myers is reaching into the closet for Jamie Lee Curtis. And he's like about to open the closet door. Mm-hmm. or he has opened the closet door, but he's just looking at the clothes or whatever. And then she stabs him with the umbrella because he's not paying attention. He's watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really well done scene. Yeah. Cause you, it's hard to forget that he's actually focused on that. Right. He's kind of halfway paying attention because he's like watching that. Yeah. Because he's obviously a horror movie nut, which mm-hmm. I'm late to, but I am uh, not a nut job like Skeet Ulrich in this movie, which I like saying Skeet Imagine that was your first name. And that was before it even became a whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, he would have changed his stage name. Her wearing the outfit is a little cheesy and unnecessary, but whatever. I, 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 I could have done without that one, but I mean, I guess it is dark in the closet, so you would be like a shadow in there. It makes sense. And then Stu is uh, attacking her again mm-hmm. when he's on top of her. I think this... I read that this line was improvised where he said, I always had a thing for you, Sid. No, yeah. They were dating at the time. Oh, uh, really? And then she drops the fucking TV on his head, which is classic and cartoony. What a way to go. Absolutely. And then uh, Gail shoots Billy. Yeah, and she makes a smart-ass remark and goes, she's like, uh, yeah, I got the safety off or whatever she says. I don't yeah, know. didn't forget the safety this time. And then Randy's back and he's like, I'm not dead. I'm just shot. And this is the part where the supposedly dead killer comes back for one more scare. And then he does. Yep, you get that in the head. And then yeah. he says, not in my movie. And my note is, but yes, in your movie. It just happened. I just watched it. It just happened to you. So, yes, that did happen in your movie. He did come back for one last scare. What do you mean, not in your movie? This happened. You witnessed it. You were there. I was there. It's film. Kind of final jump scare there. So, yeah, it's funny. I think it works really well, though. And, you know, I've seen Matthew Lillard talk a lot about, like, wanting to come back to this franchise. And, you know, basically, he says that you don't really see his character die in this truly, right? I mean, that's the thing. I'm torn between that because I love Matthew Lillard and this character, but I'm like, he's also, I mean, he's dead, right? I don't know. So we'll see. A lot of people think that's going to be the villain in the next movie and stuff. He made a candy Uh, scream too, as just one of the college kids. Yeah. Um, I want to say that I may have been spoiled on the new scream film. I won't say anything about it beyond that, but on something on social media was talking about somebody in the film and, basically implied who the primary antagonist is so when that comes out like 11 days or something right 14 right around the corner so sweet i'm gonna have to try to like casually forget that between now and then and just like hope that my mind's not paying attention when i go in there where did you see it at like which social media site i'm just curious as to which one's poisoning right now twitter Uh, it was on facebook and it was uh, a couple days ago so I'm really and like avoid that. reading stuff. Yeah. About it. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing is, I, I like the Scream movies enough. Like, for me, 
I think my second favorite one would be the third one. Okay. Even though it's it's bad, it's genuinely bad, but I like the aspect of it that it takes place in LA on the film set for one of the stab movies and like they have those interesting characters, the director. Now the whole twist of it being her fucking long lost brothers stupid as hell but it's funny yeah and scream four is my next favorite and then scream two i don't like scream two as much it's my least favorite so far but we'll see with this new one because <laughs> it's the first one not done by i don't think kevin williamson wrote it and Wes craven certainly didn't direct it yeah so no it's it's kind of one of those things you're like all right well you know Kind of see how it goes, but I think we're going to try and cover a few more of these before the uh, the next one comes out. I don't know if we'll get through all four of them or not before we do a review of the sequel. Right. We will be talking about the new one. I fucking hate the way they're titling some of this shit. Like, Obviously, to- the, the obvious way was just to make the S a five, right? Yeah, it's so easy. Very easy. Scream. And it would still be Scream 5. You could still say Scream 5 and... That's what people I'm because I'm just going to call it Scream 5. I'm not going to call it Scream, you know, the new one or Scream 2022. Now I'm just going to say Scream 5. At this point, you know, the, all the other ones are numbered. So why would you stop it at this point? It's silly. Like I know a lot of franchises don't do that currently, but just do it. It's worked for you. Pretty much. Uh, so, what was that? I said, well, that's that's Scream. That's Scream, man. It's it's a classic. I love all the dialogue around the horror movies they have in it. It's so well written. And Kevin Williamson was like, wrote that about a real life story he was reading about and a couple of things inspired him. So yeah, I think it was make for some of the better movies when that, when that um, happens. But, you know, I rewatch this every time and I'm like, man, I should watch that more. It's kind of one of those. Yeah. Um, Because I used to watch the shit out of this when I had it on VHS, you know, in uh, junior high and high school and stuff. I love being able to watch it on VHS too. Like, yep, just that old school experience that reminds you of how scared you were when you watched it when you were younger. Like, I don't get scared watching things anymore. Like, occasionally a jump scare will get me, but like, that's not the same as feeling like genuine just terror from, like, as a child. Like, just hearing Ghostface talking on the phone with Drew Barrymore was tense enough for me that I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I mean, I was five when this came out, so by the time you had on a VHS, you know. And I ended up seeing scenes from it. I was probably only six, seven, or eight. But classic. Uh, I recall seeing Scream 3 when I was in high school. And like we were all hyped up for it. And then obviously with the Jay and Silent Bob cameo. <laughs> yes. Cool. I like to think it takes place simultaneously with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back because they're on the Miramax lot in that movie. Yeah, no. And that's one of those things that I think really kind of held your attention there for it was because of that right and seeing those characters right because not everyone in my friend group at the time had seen some of those other ones so those of us that were fans of kevin smith got a huge kick out of that and then you know came out of nowhere too if you didn't know it was there yeah just like what okay uh it makes no sense but it's great booger came to say hello so anyway tell us what you think uh scream and what uh what your order of the films is if you even like the sequels and you know which one's your favorite of those and whatnot yeah i mean i can't wait till we can like rank these in order one through five because it's going to be pretty interesting yeah but uh yeah tell us if you're going to see the new one what do you think about it so far because i like the trailers i've seen are all like those weird behind the scenes trailers where they're not showing a lot 
Yep. So it's like, hmm. We'll see. If you've been spoiled the movie, that'll suck dick. Because a lot of people are like, it's Sydney or it's Stu and he's back. So it's like, that's a lot of what I'm seeing. That's just people talking. But we'll just have to see what happens when this movie comes out, won't we? For sure. All right, kids. We'll see you on the next one. 